Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, we pray that God will bless you richly as we study Sun, S-O-N, Sun Ripened Fruit, talking about the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 22. And we pray that as we study this and we bring it to a, some kind of a close, I never finish a subject. We can't take the uh, infinite <laughs> and make it finite. And the Word of God is infinite as God is. And no matter how many times we read it, how many times we study it, we go back again and we see something else. I had someone call me this week and had some study books to offer me, and I appreciate it so much when people uh, have uh, uh, in, in, books to help enhance our understanding of the Word of God. And, and when I was asked could I use them, I said, yeah, I love to, to get in the Word word and get deeper in the word and find nuggets <laughs> like I'm mining for diamonds hallelujah and I'm just so happy to share what I discover in the word of God with you today uh, and I pray that it will bless you and as it's blessing me I get excited when we open the Bible and we open our hearts today and we would just like once again to say thank you to our return listeners to those of you that that come here for part of your devotions, uh, we pray that God will bless you so much as as He's already pronounced His blessing on His Word. If it gets in a good ground heart, it brings forth fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. I'm going to read very quickly the last uh, fruit of the Spirit, the ninth in this each segment that we've been dealing with today. Galatians 5.22 says, But the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance is what we're dealing with. Against such there is no law. And verse 24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, verse 25, let us also walk in the Spirit. And if we back up in Galatians to verse 16, Paul says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of of the flesh. And I'm going to read verse 17. It's so important to put the fruit of the Spirit here in context. For it says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, or in opposition, one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. That means that if we walk in love, you know, there's two scriptures that fulfills the law and the prophets, and it involves developing in the fruit of the Spirit that allows for this. The scripture said there are the, the that we are to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and body, and to love our neighbor as our Self. And upon these two commandments hang all the law 
and the prophets. See, if we walk in love (laughs) and we love the Lord with all of our heart, vertically, we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and body. And then we love people uh, as we love ourselves. We fulfill the royal law. We fulfill the law. Not saved by keeping the law, but the law is not gone away. God meant it when he said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. He meant it when it said, Thou shalt not kill or murder. He meant it when he said, Thou shalt not steal. So he wants us to fulfill the law by walking in love and therefore walking in the spirit that produces this love in our life, this kind of supernatural love. Praise God. So crucifying the flesh and the lust thereof allows us to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, and it allows us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to bring forth the fruit or the product of the Holy Spirit in our life. God needs our cooperation for Him to do this work within us. And our cooperation means choosing the Lordship of Jesus uh, and allowing for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Well, temperance in the Greek is a word that means holding with a firm hand. Holding with a firm hand. Freedom from extremes, from the root masterful, self-controlled. The Bible speaks of being temperate in all things in 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four through 27. And it's literally talking about self-control through allowing the Holy Spirit to have control of our life. And it precedes a full manifestation of the power of God. Friend of mine, it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit. It's entirely another thing for the Holy Spirit to have you and to have me. Praise God. And if we don't allow Him to control uh, us uh, and control uh, the the things that we would do, and, and He says no, and we agree with Him, and then He gives us the power to enforce that no. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then, then if we don't cooperate with Him, the flesh will have the rule in our life. And Satan will gain control through our own lust uh, that are not controlled by and through the Holy Spirit. Listen to me carefully today. The Bible said in the book of James, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. Lust, when it's conceived, given into, run its course. Lust bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Satan is counting on Christians who have no self-control, who are not willing to take up their cross in order to follow Jesus Christ today. And I'm afraid we're in a Christian culture today uh, that gives, uh, actually feeds the flesh instead of starves it. 
And what we need to do is starve the flesh and feed the Spirit. Praise God, beginning with what we're doing right now, feeding it upon the Word of God. Amen. This temperance in Acts 24, when Felix the governor said to Paul, I would hear of thee concerning the faith when he was under house arrest, expecting to receive something of him, a bribe or something. He he went along with Paul and, and said, I would hear you concerning the faith. And it doesn't say what Paul brought forth, but when he got through, it does say the effect that it had on Felix. It said he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, This word right here, holding with a firm hand, self-control, temperance, and judgment to come. And he trembled. It shook him to understand that he will and we will account to God for our actions and our activities one day. We are not free uh, in the sense of, of going out and living in sin. What shall we sin that grace may abound, the Scripture says. Because we're under grace, does that give us license to sin? What shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You know, the Bible said in Titus one sixteen, they profess that they know Him, but in works they deny Him, being unto every good work abominable and reprobate and friend of mine that's a dangerous thing to have a profession and not have a life that in any way uh, lines up or matches up or stands up to our profession of faith in Jesus Christ we're not saved by works I want to make that clear but the Bible said we are created unto good works and the and the only way we're going to be able to bring forth this kind of disciplined life this discipling uh, of our own life to follow Jesus example is to allow the holy spirit to bring forth this fruit in our life and to help us in this area where our flesh tries to influence us and take over it's literally the ability to submit, saying no to the lesser and yes to the greater. Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. This is not control of self by self, but control of self by yielding to the control of the Holy Spirit. That's why everywhere it said filled with the Spirit or full of the Holy Ghost, all of these terms, it would always read this way in its full connotated truth. It would say filled with and controlled by. Filled with and controlled by the Holy Ghost. And being filled with the Spirit and not yielding and submitting ourselves so we can be controlled by the Holy Spirit is not going to bring and allow for this fruit of temperance to come forth in our life. 
the spiritual fruit of temperance, will enable the believer to overcome the flesh. I just want to read this verse for time's sake from the Amplified. In First Peter 2 and verse 11, Beloved, I implore you as sojourners and strangers and exiles in the world to abstain from the sensual urges, the evil desires, the passions of the flesh, your lower nature that war against your soul. There's no doubt about it. The flesh and the spirit will always be in conflict. Our lower nature will always be in conflict with our reborn spirit. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he he didn't understand the conflict. He didn't understand how to overcome the conflict. In Romans chapter 7, he said, when I would do good, evil presents itself. When I would do the right thing, I end up find not finding the strength to do it. To know how to do good, he said, I find. But how to carry it out, I find not. And he just got wore down trying in and of himself to get his flesh under control. And then he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Last two verses of Romans 7. Wretched means someone who is wore out after a fight, who is literally experiencing battle fatigue. You, you know, without, without, without resting and recovering, that's why we need revival from time to time, times of refreshing from the hand of the Lord. Because we get wore down in this conflict, this war that is constant between the flesh and spirit, this war between the world and, and the kingdom of God, this war between uh, the devil and, and, and our own weak flesh. We get worn down. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? If he had stopped and put a period right there, then we would be in a hopeless situation to really live a victorious life. But the next verse, he finds and he divulges the answer. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? I thank God through Jesus Christ. When you come to Christ as your Savior, you receive something called spiritual regeneration. When you repent of your sin and Jesus comes to live within you, something spiritual comes to play, into play in your own spirit. Amen. The Bible said literally that we are baptized into Christ and, and we become part of his body and his members in particular spiritually. And the, the life that is in him now through the Holy Spirit is manifest in us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. The desire of our spirit is for the things of the spirit. But we're still dealing with that old lower nature. And that's why we're told to crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. To see ourselves, as Peter put it, as strangers in this world. Remember the Christian song from long ago? 
I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. I beseech you, Peter said. Get that. Get it down in your spirit. Let it be part of your renewed value system. I beseech you as what you truly are, pilgrims and strangers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We're in the world, but we are not of the world. And we are a witness, therefore, to the world because of the, the different values we have, the different joy that we seek, the different peace that we possess that the world cannot manufacture. Oh, friend of mine, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, it is peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. And what a witness that becomes to the world about us. Praise God. Amen. God is not just putting you in a box when you get saved. He's setting you free from a prison of darkness, a prison of the flesh, a prison of our own lust, so that we can live in the glorious liberty and freedom of the sons of God. Now, there's some scriptures about not developing in this particular fruit and how vulnerable we become to the enemy. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth not his spirit than he that taketh a city. I want to read that again. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. The real power is the strength of character not the strength of wielding the sword or the spear and being able to take a city because of, of that mighty warrior that is so strong and so courageous and so uh, mighty in the flesh. But he that ruleth his own spirit is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his own spirit therefore is better than he that taketh a city." And in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28, it says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Do you understand how vulnerable a city is? That there are no gates, it's broken down, and the walls are crumbled to the ground? There is no possible way to defend that city against an enemy. Ah, but when you have a city with mighty walls, mighty gates that are reinforced and standing tall and firm, an enemy is hard-pressed to just walk in and take over that city. I'm afraid that the enemy is walking in and influencing too many who name the name of Jesus Christ because we are either underdeveloped or have not even developed in the fruit of the Spirit. It's not enough to have the Holy Ghost, the charismata, the gifts of the Spirit in all their full operation. Without the fruit, this development of our character, we 
are still vulnerable. Though we've received power, that power is not enough power to to slay a thousand soldiers when the Spirit came upon Samson didn't keep him from giving in to laying his head in Delilah's lap. And that was his downfall. There was no doubt the Holy Spirit came upon him. But there, there, the terrible truth is, in his character, there was a weakness. In his physical body, there was such strength under the anointing. I've often said of of Samson, I, I don't believe he is as he was depicted in in pictures and paintings because of his power through the anointing and through the Spirit of God coming upon him. And by the way, until the Spirit of God came upon him, he didn't have power in his body to defend Israel. But when the Spirit came, came then that mighty power was released and when he violated the 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 moral laws of god and he 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 gave in to the weakness of his own character i.e. his fallen nature his flesh then he became vulnerable to his enemies and they were able to defeat Someone who couldn't, who was invincible in battle, but in his own character. Have you ever wondered about that? The Bible said, how art the mighty fallen? Speaking of Saul and Jonathan, when Saul was right with God and Jonathan uh, stood by Saul's side and therefore he, he stood for what is right, his son, the Bible said they were swift as eagles in battle. They couldn't be stopped in battle. They were invincible in battle because of the anointing, the Spirit of God upon their life. Have you ever wondered how great men of God, women of God, people of God, that God's hand is on so evidently, so powerfully, can fall so terribly? Listen to this carefully. Scripture said how when 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 David heard of Saul's defeat and his death and Jonathan's death and oh did the enemy make a big deal out of it they chopped them to pieces they couldn't find enough of the pieces of them to bury uh, like they wanted to bury them and honor them and they had to to burn the fragments and bury the bones oh friend of mine how the enemy rejoices when the mighty fall. But the mighty did not have to fall, but just having power through the Holy Spirit's anointing wasn't enough. They had to have something in their character that was not as available to them as it is to us today through the fruit or the product of the Holy Spirit's work within us. Praise God. Listen, if David had the fruit of temperance when he saw a young woman, naked bathing, he could have turned, he should have turned, and I believe he would have turned away. But he didn't turn away, and lust conceived bringeth forth sin, and sin when it's finished bringeth forth death. No, David didn't physically die, but he lost the fellowship relationship that he had with God, and he went deeper 
and deeper and deeper into sin. And only God's mercy could bring him back. Thank God for his mercy, but thank God for the victory that we can have in Jesus. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I like what Vince Lombardi said to his football team. He said, perfection is impossible because it is unobtainable. But if you pursue perfection, you can catch excellence. I like that. It should apply to the Christian community. None of us can be perfect, even though we're told to be ye perfect. Well, why bother telling us so we can pursue it? That's why the Bible said, let us go on to perfection. Let us keep on reaching. Paul put it this way, (laughs) forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. He never obtained it. He said, not that I've obtained, but that I might obtain. I keep pressing for it. And I can tell you one thing about Paul. He certainly caught excellence. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament because he became such an example of devotion to God. Hallelujah. And he followed Jesus so closely and so lovingly. He that hath no rule over his own spirit It's like a city that is broken down, and it is without walls. So when Paul in Acts 24 spoke to Felix, when he got through speaking concerning the faith, it said Felix reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And he trembled. It shook him up to know that we will account to God for the works that are done in our body. He must have told him it must have been part of the gospel. You see, the the bad news is that we, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and we must account in the soul that sins it shall surely die. Oh, but friend, the good news is that we can repent of our sin and we can be forgiven our sin and we can begin to live a life where sin does not reign in our bodies. (laughs) The devil doesn't rule us. The flesh doesn't keep the, the dominant influence in our life any longer. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the lust thereof. The moment we decide to repent of our sin and trust Christ as our Savior and commit to follow Him to become His disciple. We are armed against the flesh. Until that, we have no weapon against the flesh. But the day that we we come to Christ and we commit to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit's power, oh, hallelujah, is released in you and released in me. Oh, friend of mine, that's why Paul said, when I would do good in Romans 7, evil presents itself. I find a law in my members. The flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, that you cannot do the things that you would. I cannot do what my flesh would lead me. But 
But how do I overcome? How do I do it? I'm, I'm wore down. I'm wore out. Oh, wretched man that I am. How and who shall deliver me? Because I can't deliver myself from the weakness of my flesh. I thank God through Jesus Christ. And the thought continues into chapter 8. It said, Now therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ who walk after the Spirit. See, here's the key to allowing the fruit to come forth in our life, to help us to overcome and live in victory. Praise God. Hallelujah. To achieve excellence while pursuing perfection. Praise God. Amen. Let me say that again. Romans 8 He begins to divulge the key to all of this. Now, therefore, now that I'm saved, now that I've trusted Christ, now that I've committed to follow Christ, there is no condemnation to them, hallelujah, that walk in the Spirit and and not in the flesh any longer, hallelujah. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. This resurrection power, this life of God that's come to live in me, praise God, hallelujah, gives me the opportunity to walk in a victory that I could never dream of before. You know, as we get ready to close this broadcast today, many have said, There's no need in me coming to Jesus. I can't live the Christian life. I I have too many hang-ups and weaknesses and pet sins. and, and, And even if I tried to give them up, I would end up failing. Well, there's a scripture you need to understand in John's Gospel, chapter 1. It says, As many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. I want to say that again. As many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. And what God is asking of you, dear friend, today, if you don't know Jesus, is to receive Him. Repent of your sin and accept Christ as your only hope of salvation, as your Lord and Savior, and then commit to follow Him. And He will give you the power, the first power. This power means legal authority. It's a forensic term. It means legal authority. The spirit of adoption comes in, and we cry, Abba, Father. We become His very children. We become the sons, daughters, of God Almighty. And then we qualify for the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, this mighty supernatural power to follow Jesus, to be faithful to Christ, and to walk out our faith and live it out so that men might see our good works, glorify our Father which is in heaven. Well, we love you today. We hope you got something out of this this series, Sun Ripened Fruit. Hey, friends, Jesus is coming soon. Let's run full out 
for the prize that's waiting every one of us. And come back next week, will you? And let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.